So I think somebody needs to start a band named Stella Needs a Fella. <laughs> I think that, I think, in fact, this morning, I think we should all say together, Stella Needs a Fella. And then we need to record that, right? And then we need to send that to whoever's not letting Olivia get another dog, right? <laughs> we could say all of Radiant Life is behind Stella getting a fella. <laughs> My name is Josh. I'm the student ministries pastor here. And we're glad you're with us this morning. We are in our series, Unstoppable. We're looking at the early church. We're looking at what drove these individuals. What catapulted these 12 ragtag dudes into being what is today a movement of over 2 billion people on every continent on earth. How did it get there? That's what we're talking about in this series, Unstoppable. And if you were here last week, Pastor Ryan cracked open the Bible and we looked in the book of Acts. And we're going to be doing that again today as well. But if you weren't here, I'm going to give you a little bit of a review. So Jesus, at the end of his earthly ministry... He's killed, he comes back to life, he hangs out with his disciples for 40 days, and then he says, hey, i got to get out of here. And they're like, what? And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. I'm going to send somebody, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit, and it's going to be really good. He says, when the Spirit comes, you're going to have power, oh man, you're going you're to do some great things. We read in Acts chapter 2 how the Holy Spirit shows up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, Peter, who is one of the disciples, one of these guys that hung out with Jesus, Peter gets up and he starts to speak. And 3,000 people enter into a relationship with Jesus. Now, if that's not powerful, I don't know what is. I don't know, I don't know that I'd be able to convince you know, three people of anything, let alone 3,000. But Peter gets up and he's like, hey, Holy Spirit, let's go. And he does it. Fast forward, we see that the believers all start to gather together. They're just, they're doing life together. They're, they're eating together. They're praising God together. They're praying. Well, one of the things that they do is they go to the temple. And in Acts chapter 3, which I would encourage you to read the book of Acts over these next few weeks. It's really good stuff. But in Acts chapter 3, we see that Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, Go to the temple at, for an afternoon prayer service. And while they're there, there's a crippled dude hanging out. And he sees them come in and he's like, all right, hey, these guys, maybe they've got some, some coin to toss my way. So he says, hey, 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 guys. And Peter and John are like, you know what, dude, we're, we're broke, man. We're, <laughs> we're pastors. <laughs> like, we don't have any money. But hey, here's what we have. Here's what we have. In the name of Jesus, get up. So this dude that's been crippled gets up, starts walking around, right? I don't know, if, when I was a kid, there was a song, and he was walking and leaping and praising God, and, you know, you'd kind of dance around while you're singing it. It was good stuff. He does this. People come around because they're like, wait, hey, we've seen this guy here for quite a while. This is that crippled guy that would beg, and now he's running around the temple court. So people start to gather. Well, Peter and John are like, hey, we're going we're gonna to make the most of this opportunity. And they start to preach. They start to talk about Jesus. Again, these were guys that hung out with Jesus. They said, hey, man, we got some stuff to tell you. You think, this is cool? Let me tell you about some of the other stuff that Jesus did. And people, people were like, whoa, we got to hear this. And now we're going to jump in to Acts chapter 4. 
and kind of look at the aftermath of that. The words are not going to be on the screen this morning, which is a little bit different, but I encourage you to grab that Bible out of your pew or if you have a phone or a tablet, use your Bible app. Go to Acts chapter 4. Now, I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation, so if you're like, those words aren't all the same, that's why. Acts chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1. So this is as they're preaching in the temple courts. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, they were confronted by the priests, the captain of the temple guard, and some of the Sadducees. Sadducees were one of the religious political groups of the time. These leaders were very disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people that through Jesus there was a resurrection of the dead. Sadducees did not believe in an afterlife. Just a little trivia for you there. They arrested them and since it was already evening, put them in jail until morning. Verse 4 says, but many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of believers now totaled about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. So the first time Peter preaches, 3,000 people come to know Jesus. Now, we are told in Acts 2 that every day people were coming to know Jesus. But now in this other preaching situation, we see that a whole boatload more people are like, we want in on that. You're telling us about this, Jesus? We want in on that. Verse 5, the next day the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, get this, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. We're talking about boldness this morning. 2,000 years ago, for Peter and John to say, the only source of salvation is Jesus. This guy that you guys killed, by the way. Do you guys remember that? Remember how you did that here, like, you know, a couple months back? He's the only way we're going to be saved. There's no other name. That was a bold statement 2,000 years ago. The Romans didn't like it kind of upset their apple cart a little bit. The Jews didn't like it. It kicked the snot out of their apple cart. This was not something that went over well. So for the disciples to say that, this was pretty bold. In 2018, that is a bold statement. Well, don't all paths just lead to the same place? No. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And here we see the disciples saying, nope, there's one way. There is one way, and that is Jesus Christ. It was a bold statement then. It's a bold statement now. The members of the council, verse 13, were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. 
For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. The council's like, whoa. These guys have they've got some boldness. They've got some boldness going on up in here. And here's the thing. This was not any innate characteristic of Peter and John. I don't know if you know much about Peter, but his track record is not one of boldness. Jesus calls him out to walk on water, which is pretty sweet. And he's walking on water and he, he loses focus and he starts to freak out because of the waves. When Jesus is arrested, after telling Je- Peter tells Jesus, hey, I'm with you to the end, man. I will die with you. The soldiers show up to arrest Jesus. Peter takes off. And then when he, when he comes to Jesus' trial... He denies Jesus three times. Oh, no, I don't, I don't want to be associated with him. Peter's track record is not one of boldness. So this was not some innate thing that he had. But remember, verse 8 says Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Verse 14, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing right there among them, There was nothing the council could say. Peter and John, I thought, you know, you read what Peter and John say, and you're like, oh, that's that's pretty good. That wasn't what made a difference that day. It wasn't that Peter and John crafted some brilliant argument to shut down the religious leaders. They didn't come in with, you know, this this great thing to say, oh, ha-ha, we've got you. The thing that shut the religious leaders up is the fact that there's this dude that sat there crippled, and now he's running around the temple. They're like, I don't, we don't know what to do. Verse 15, so they ordered Peter and John out of the council chamber and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they've performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. At a conference a few weeks ago, somebody used the phrase, gossip the gospel, and I really like that. Now, in general, we don't encourage gossip, but gossiping the gospel is this. When God shows up and He does something, people talk about it. The day before Peter and John walk into the temple courts, this lame guy is healed. And leaders are like, oh man, everybody in Jerusalem knows about this now. What are we going to do? Gasp the gospel. God shows up. People talk about it. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes people are like, whoa, this is so cool. And sometimes people are like, oh, you guys are weird. I like, I like what Pastor Craig Groeschel says. He says, yeah, if, if people don't refer to your church as a cult, every now and then, you're probably not doing things right. Because there should be some, some things going on in your church that people look at and like, well, that's different. <laughs> that's right. I'm not talking the Kool-Aid kind of call. You know, we're talking, you know, like, <laughs> if we ever serve you Kool-Aid, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's perfectly all right for you out there. <laughs> I hope. I <laughs> mean, Anyways, we ought to back in. All right. Verse 17, but to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak in 
to anyone in Jesus' name again. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And this is where I know originally they were fishermen, right? Peter and John were fishermen. I think they might have had a punk band on the side because the way they respond to the religious leaders is just a little bit punk rock, right? I think, which I dig it. I dig a little bit of punk rock. They said, hey, don't ever speak in this name again. This is what Peter and John say. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? What up? They're dropping like a guitar solo like, like Rick was doing earlier. Yeah, I heard, some, I heard some jamming this morning. That was good. Do you think God wants to obey you rather than him? Verse 20, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The council then threatened them further, but they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. <laughs> For everyone was praising God. Which side note? You know what? I was sitting in the back this morning. It was so cool to hear you guys all singing. Now, the band, they would always do a fantastic job. But I was sitting back there, and I could hear you guys, and you guys were doing a fantastic job. Super cool. So everyone in the city was praising God for this miraculous sign, the healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 years. Verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of the heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Do we pray like that? Peter and John get arrested. They're brought before all the leaders. They get out and they go back and they're telling all their buddies, hey, check this out. This is great. We were preaching about Jesus. We got arrested. They threw us in jail. It was, it was fantastic. And the believers are like, hey, Lord, all these people are making threats towards us. So here's what we want you to do. We want you to give us boldness to preach your word. Oh, and let's have some miracles going on here. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool too. Do we pray like that? I don't know about you, but usually when I'm faced with difficult or uncomfortable circumstances, I, I honestly don't know that I've ever had anybody make threats against me, but I don't imagine that's a, a fun thing. But when I'm faced with difficult circumstances, my tendency is to try to pray my way out of them. Lord, I'm uncomfortable right now. Could you, uh, could you do something about that? I would really love it if all the people that are giving me a hard time, if you would just wipe them out. There's a sickness going around. Send it their way. 
You know what I mean? I mean, I'm kind of a jerk. I know. Like, maybe you, you guys always only pray totally selfless prayers. Like, it's, and that's probably just me. But I don't pray like that. When people, again, I've never had threats, but if they did, I don't imagine I would be saying, hey, Lord, all these things that got our brothers arrested, speaking boldly and doing miracles, we want some of that. I'm like, no, Lord, take care of them. Get rid of them. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the Word of God with boldness. Now, there are different ways the Holy Spirit shows up as you read through Scripture. Now, there's a theme, though, here. The Holy Spirit shows up, and when He does, believers speak boldly, and stuff happens. The day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit shows up. Peter gets up there. He speaks boldly. 3,000 people come to know Jesus. Peter and John show up in the temple courts. They're like, oh, hey, here's a lame guy. Let's just, let's heal him. That'd be, that'd be cool. Starts to preach. Whole boatload more people enter into a relationship with Jesus. They're dragged before religious leaders, and the religious leaders are amazed at how bold these guys are which is a direct result of the Holy Spirit's work in their life. So I think to kind of sum up what we do when the Holy Spirit shows up is this. The Holy Spirit gives boldness to ordinary people. Remember, it was not that Peter and John were these awesome guys. but They were fishermen that Jesus showed up and said, hey, come hang out with me for a few years. They were not in the upper echelons of society. They didn't have it all together. Like, it blows my mind. You read through some of the biographies of Jesus, and you're like, these disciples are idiots. Like, some of the things that they ask Jesus, you're like, Lord, why did you choose these guys? And then I look in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot too. You know? And yet, God chooses to to work through us. The Holy Spirit gives ordinary people boldness. And people are amazed at the extraordinary results. I hate to break it to you. Maybe your grandma has told you otherwise. But you and me, we're ordinary people. Like we're, you know, we are. But you know what's awesome? Is we serve an extraordinary God who says, hey, you're going to have power when my spirit comes on you. And you're going to do some pretty cool things. And that's what we see happening in the early church. And we still see that happening today. The Holy Spirit didn't get to Acts chapter 28 and be like, oh, I'm done here. He's still here. At Radiant Life, we talk a lot about next steps. She said, well, this is great for Peter and John. You know, that's, that's cool. You know, they did all this cool stuff. What about me? Let's talk about some of your next steps. I think one of the first things is let's bounce back to verse 20 where it says this. Peter and John say, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Maybe your next step is you need to take an inventory of the things you've seen God do in your life and the life of people around you. And you say, wow, that's, that's quite a bit of stuff. 
Well, then you have to ask yourself the question, am I telling people about it? They said, we can't help it. We saw God do all these cool things. We got to tell people about it. What have you seen God do in your life? And are you telling people about it? You go back a few verses earlier, and, and the thing that really shut the religious leaders up is the guy that was healed. The tangible expression of Jesus in the life of an ordinary person. That's what gets people's attention. Now, can we have intelligent discussion about God? Can we have intelligent discussion about faith and, and different perspectives? Absolutely. But you're never going to argue anybody into heaven. But it's hard to argue when you say, well, this dude couldn't walk for 40 years and now he's dancing around. What do you do with that? What have you seen God do and are you telling people about it? And the other thing is this. Start praying that prayer. Verse 29. What if, what if every morning you woke up and you prayed, give me your servant boldness to speak your word. Stretch out your hand, Lord. Let's do some miracles in Sturgis. Let's do some miracles down in Indiana and in Coldwater and in Three Rivers and in Menden and in Constantine and in Centerville. What would it look like if you prayed that every morning and then you went to school? Students don't think that you can't do anything. You heard what Olivia was saying earlier, right? God could do something awesome through you in your school. God can do something awesome in your workplace. You say, Lord, let me speak your word boldly. Stretch out your hand. Let's see some miracles. God could do some awesome things in your home. So my encouragement to you today is that as we leave here, pray for boldness and live boldly. The Holy Spirit shows up and boldness follows Say, Lord, I want some of that. I need your spirit, Lord. And see how the people around you are amazed as they hear.